Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mark and Sarah, call it a comeback. Mark and Sarah, been here for years. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Yes, we do. And, um... I love that theme song that I made for this season, but every time I hear it, I hear like mistakes in the joining of it, and um, it makes me a little sad. I hope nobody else is bothered by this. Hello, I am your co-host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I am here with the very encouraging and spanflandiferous Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. I don't want to be an American idiot. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, there's at least one American idiot on this podcast. Let me just remind listeners what we're doing here. This is episode five of the Do Call It a Comeback season. We are trying to determine which pop song is the definitive comeback song of all time. Our conclusions have the force of law. This is the round of 32. It's really starting to get even tougher. We are contemplating 16 songs today. Only eight are going to make it through. Mark is going to tell you which songs we're talking about today in just a moment. But first, I'm going to remind you how the point system works. At this phase, we're just doing an up-down vote. So I went through the songs and decided which eight should get through. There was um, Gnashing of Teeth and Writing of Garments. Once that process was completed, the songs that move on, for me, get two points. The songs that don't get zero points. Mark went through the same process, hopefully with less emotional pain. And our Patreon supporters also did this. So uh, that's how that works for now. We will return to a uh, more elaborate ranking system in future rounds. But for right now, we're just trying to... (laughs) We're just trying to up, down, vote, and get through this before the round of 16. Mark, which 16 songs are we contemplating today in the first half of the round of 32? Why today we'll be discussing American Idiot by Green Day, Believe by Cher, Can't Get You Out of My Head by Kylie Minogue, The Crying Game by Boy George, Dancing on My Own by Robin, Don't Know Much by Linda Ronstadt and Aaron Neville, Freeway of Love by Aretha Franklin, Get Lucky by Daft Punk featuring Pharrell and Nile Rodgers, Give Me One Reason by Tracy Chapman, Got My Mind Set on You by George Harrison, Handle With Care by The Traveling Wilburys, I Found Someone by Cher, again, I Just Called to Say I Love You by Stevie Wonder, I Do Anything for Love But I Won't Do That by Meatloaf, Kokomo by The Beach Boys, and Living in America by James Brown. All right, before we get into it, uh, first of all, thank you for that update. And second of all, uh, how much of your voting process this time around was how much you liked the song versus how much you thought it met the brief, even if you despised the song? I definitely was having to cut songs I liked in favor of what I feel the brief demands. Same. And it made me sad. Yeah, it made me sad and it bummed me out, but I have to acknowledge, you know, distance traveled and cultural dominance of some of these songs. And unfortunately, we're going to be losing some songs that I legit enjoy and respect on all counts. This Um, was also for me, I don't know if this happened for you, Sarah, but as always seems to be the case, the the top four or five, I was like, yes, clearly these are... Right through, and then that last group, that last two or three, I kept taking things in, I kept taking things out, putting on uh-huh. a necklace, putting on a bracelet, putting on a fur coat, putting on a fake fur coat. Like, I couldn't decide what the outfit was. Put on a hat, put on another hat on yeah. top of the hat, St- yeah, stitch I... socks onto the brim of the hat so that it becomes some sort of foot and headwear at the same time. Borrowed some scarves from Steven Tyler's mic stand, yeah, totally get it. Um, I think that the first song on our list today that was definitely in my like seventh to 11th range because as longtime listeners know in seasons like this the up down vote is like helpful but i have to rank them numerically for myself to see what 
the fuck I'm trying to do <laughs> with my life. And um, the 7-Eleven through 11 slots were extremely troublesome and honestly could still change while we're talking yes. so we should we should start doing this now before everything falls apart again i do just want to note that our podcast is not sponsored by 7-eleven no but we would not. take the money so if you'd like to sponsor mm. us give us a call it's true a coke slushy is a, a joy in my heart um all right so american idiot well, Sigh. before we move forward with the conversation, why don't we listen to a clip? Yes, let's do that. such a good song man yeah i actually on the day that we're recording this i uh was listening to these songs in this episode as i was making breakfast and i was really rocking around my kitchen listening to this song because it is in fact so dope yeah it is the whole album is amazing we talked the last time um about how this really did make me sit up when i first heard this album i sat up and was like oh because this really has a certain, there's a certain flavor of comeback that this is, that it's like, oh, this is not so much a comeback as a, like, what is the word I want? Not efflorescence, but like the becoming of the most themselves. Uh, yes, for it's, a band. it's like a, it's like a, uh, a, what is it when you come out of the chrysalis? Oh, Science. yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, emergence. Yeah, oh my God. This metamorphosis? Is, it's a metamorphosis. But it, I, I guess, yes, it's the caterpillar of their early albums, which were cute and fuzzy, becoming the radiant butterfly of their most impressive era. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, let's let's go with it. I think what we're fuzzy. dancing around is that we admired this song and the album that it's on uh, very greatly. But I suspect that it is not continuing on this journey with us. I I tried, but I couldn't, compared to everything else that was in this bracket, I could not justify moving it on. Really? I could not either, because at the end of the day, though this was a an incredible leap forward for the band, and it did re-energize them in the public consciousness, it changed the trajectory of their critical appraisal, this is not a pure comeback in the way that many of the other songs on this list are. And I feel that we made a successful argument to get it to the 32 round, but it mm -hmm. shouldn't go further. I feel so. I agree with you. I did not give it any points. Now the patrons think it should go forward and they gave it two points, but I don't think that's going to be enough. So with much esteem, I say to green day, salute. Yes, indeed. Now, I did not pull a clip of uh, Believe by Cher because I just suspect we're going to have more chances to hear it, frankly. Um, this was, to me, still a very easy wave forward to the next round for all of the reasons that we discussed last time. And I was thinking about the fact that Adam Lambert has a really great cover of this song where he has turned it into a ballad. And nothing says that a comeback sticks like a high-profile cover of your comeback song. And mm -hmm. I also was considering that even though this song is quite famous for bringing auto-tune into the public consciousness, and it was in fact called the share effect for a while when someone put auto-tune on their vocal, it mm -hmm. doesn't actually use that much auto-tune. It's just a little bit, like a sprinkle here and there, where obviously later songs would just use it nonstop. And I think that, to me, the comeback is even more impressive because... It brought with it the revolution in pop sound, which I know I touched on last week, but I just think, again, it's worth thinking about that this is an artist who had been around for decades, and not only did she have the biggest hit of her career after almost a decade of having no hits at all, she had a hit that was so significant 
that she it changed the sound of pop music going forward for many, many decades. So, yeah, easy way forward for me. And the patrons agreed. So that's two points from us, uh, from them, and two points from me. And two points from me, too. Yeah. It's really, I mean, uh, you know, the, I had some struggles in terms of, like, the um, frequency of the population of share content in this round. But in the end, I had to follow my heart, and my heart said, this was a comeback. Um, I think you have to give extra, there's like, not an aggravating factor, (laughs) that's the wrong way to say it, but like, I think you have to um, keep in mind how dominant a song was that was the comeback, and whether it was a kind of pioneer of something, and it this qualifies on both counts i don't think there was a day in the summer of the year when this came out when i didn't hear the song at least three times and i still like it which is kind of amazing um so yeah i think that that's an earned six i also would say we've talked a lot on this season about songs that are from artists who are just always in the ether Mm -hmm. and i think that because of believe Cher cannot, by that criteria, actually ever have another comeback. Because Agree. now, after Believe, Cher has just kind of always been around. And obviously Cher had been mega famous for decades before this. But there was something about Believe that finally ended the narrative that Cher could be a has-been. You know what I mean? Right. Or that, like, I mean, this actually probably shouldn't be true, strictly speaking. But there was always a like kitschiness to the way that she was talked about until this. Yeah. Well, there's an so, old Simpsons episode where yeah. some guy who's been in a coma wakes up and says, what happened to Sonny and Cher? And the guy who's speaking to the patient says, he's a congressman and she won an Oscar. And then the guy crashes out and has a heart attack. And <laughs> the idea yeah. that Cher winning an Oscar would be so disorienting that it would kill someone tells you that even after she won the Oscar, she still was, like you said, wrapped up in kitsch. But then Believe happened, and I don't know. It's just like we it, Believe happened and the world shifted to embrace pure pop. And uh, suddenly Cher appearing in the Mamma Mia sequel feels like a boon to the Mamma Mia sequel because you got Cher. And uh, that just right. all comes because of this song, in a way. It like, created the permanent collection, if you will, of share. And I think you can probably tie that as well to um, the taking seriously of the icons that gay culture and clubs yes. have chosen to elevate versus them always um, kind of existing at the edge of the quote mainstreams sight line as like these sort of campy um outre events that the mainstream culture can't quote unquote plug into like imagine that i'm making giant air quotes around everything i'm saying because for me this is not the case but i think that the um either like mainstreaming of gay cultural concerns or the embrace of them or the acknowledgement that they are mainstream and have been all along sort of around this time i am by no means qualified to comment on this really it's just something that occurs to me as um kind of taking hands with share becoming a like not establishment icon but like that she is on she is in valhalla without a footnote i guess that's correct oh my gosh and you know this also, I, the point that you're making ties in, too, to what else was happening in pop music in 1999, because that was the year that the Backstreet Boys, Sync, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Ricky Martin all exploded into popularity. Mm-hmm. And that whole moment actually fast forwarded our ability as a culture to embrace the stuff that you just described, I think. And to yeah. look around and see Cher being at the top of that, to have the number one single, according to Billboard, for all of 1999, even when Baby One More Time was happening, even when Live and La Vida Loca was happening, for her to be that dominant and be 52 in an era when teen pop was ascendant again, 
it also says something about her longevity. It says something about her power as an artist. And I think there's just something about looking around at all of the things that Cher made possible at all of her progeny, if you will. And you go, oh, right. This stuff that we dismissed as silly or frivolous or too gay or too female or whatever. It's yeah, still for he- girls. Yeah, yeah like exactly. it's for girls. And, you know, if Taylor Swift hasn't been the final tsunami to make us stop dismissing, quote, teen girl taste, this was certainly the one of the important moments where we all collectively stopped being such assholes about it. Except for Jan Wenner, right. Rolling Stone founder, who recently went on record saying that women and black people aren't smart enough to appear in his book. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, sorry. Sidebar. Yeah. Believe. I mean, straight that sense. guy, whatever. But I, I mean, I do think that the culture is still struggling to, like, apprehend what Taylor Swift is and means. Um, because now that she's dating a football, an NFL football player, like, you just some of the commentary on the sports side is really like, oh, that's right. Women aren't smart enough to understand football or like they only care about it because of Taylor Swift now. Ah. And it's like, as someone who has been patiently explaining to people with external genitalia for half my life, actually longer than that, that um, I actually do know more about baseball than you. And will continue to do so. It's, I mean, it's kind of exhausting. But, um, you know, Taylor hopefully will deliver us at least yes. somewhat from these uh, assumptions. Well, I mean, within two norms. years, Taylor Swift will be the only thing in the culture. So it's not going to matter. Yeah, that's fine. She's my president. I'm, I'm comfortable <laughs> with that. So speaking of the cultural embrace of gay coded sounds, next we come to Can't Get You Out of My Head by Kylie Minogue. <laughs> Sarah, I'm wondering how did Kylie yeah. fare for you in this round? Um, towards the bottom mm. because I mean the the same comments pertain that I made about her in, you know multiple times in previous rounds that it's like for me she never went away and while I acknowledge her importance as a like icon of surviving i don't i just don't think she like even hearing the facts and the numbers like quantitatively yes it's a these are big comebacks for her that we've talked about but this like uh, i don't know i just couldn't justify it so no points for me understandable and again here we come to a subjective crossroads which is perfectly fine it's one of the things that Mm -hmm. makes the show interesting it's not mark and sarah have unilateral opinions about songs uh and again with me because i just remember personally being so delighted and shocked that kylie minogue from nick rock's locomotion era 88 was suddenly back (laughs) i i I, for me always thought of this as a nay plus ultra example of a comeback so it did get two points from me, and it did get two points from the patrons. So depending on oh, how, okay, depending on how the rest of this episode fadges out, we may see Kylie in the Sweet Sixteen. All right, well, good for her. Like I again, I like the song. I never have any kick with her. Mm-hmm. I think that she's good for the culture. Maybe I just spend really a lot of time with Australians, and I'm not aware. <laughs> but I just am sort of like, oh yeah, her. But you know, it's true. Where'd she go? Even. If yeah. you were around anyone who was listening to British or to British hits, Australian hits, Kylie was mm-hmm. was there in a way she just never was here. So yeah. I, I that makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay, now next, Sarah, we come to The Crying Game by Boy George. And this is another one where I had to uh, set aside my heart because I adore this song, as we discussed last week. But in the grand scheme of things, you look at the culture-shifting impact of a song like Believe or the, to me, surprise and power of the hit status of Can't Get You Out of My Head, and The Crying Game, though great and definitely worthy of being in round of 32, isn't quite enough of an illustrative example of the essential comeback for me to pass it through, so that's no points from me. I passed it through, and it wasn't particularly close. Um, 
and I think part of it is this emotional sort of feeling that um, it wasn't just a comeback. It was kind of miraculous that he had not died, like literally mm. died from his struggles with substances. So, um, and as we talked about the last time we spoke about the song, there is something like slightly compromised about the vocal that makes it even more comebacky because he has been somewhat diminished in sound, but um, remains top notch in interpretive power. So uh, I passed it through. What did the patrons do? Oh, I wish that they had agreed with you emotionally, but they did not. Zero points mm. from the patrons as well. Man, my cheese is standing alone today. Well, except that the patrons were alone on American Idiot, so mm. everybody's got okay. their Lindberger or whatever. <laughs> Want some? It's just a little stinky. No, no thanks. Cappy. Mm. <laughs> Although Delicious. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict, by the way, that there are gonna be a couple of occasions later in this episode, and possibly including our next song. Or I am the cheese that stands alone because the patrons did not pass through Dancing on My Own by Robin. uh, And I sure as hell did. But before we get into that, here's a clip. Sarah, with the court's permission, I would like to tell a personal story about a somewhat embarrassing yet also exhilarating connection I have to this song. Motion granted. Uh, As recently as last night, and I'm not even kidding, I performed a very, very elaborate, fully performed lip sync that I have created for myself to this song, Dancing on My Own. And I have been working on it and refining it for like 10 years, and it brings me such pleasure, and it's possible no one else will ever see it, but I know the whole story, and I have like, I've like refined sections, there are narrative beats, like I really love doing it, and I get so into it that I usually do it three times in a row, and I'm dripping with sweat by the end. So, do I have a subjective love of this song that cannot be shaken? Yes. However, I gave it two points today because, again, for me, Robin emerging from the hinterlands where her albums were only being released in Sweden to suddenly come back as the architect of contemporary emotional techno is astonishing to me. And as I've mentioned last time, she did have a self-titled album that was something of a comeback that I certainly bought and loved, but Dancing on My Own put her into this other echelon. And it just, she is one of the most important elements of dance music of this century. And it's largely because of this song. So to me, two points, but again, the patrons, no points. And I'm wondering, Sarah, how many points, if any, from you? Dead last. Um, I also realized that I hate this vocal. It sounds like Kate Bush, which I don't care for. Um, I like other Robin songs. I agree with you that she's important. I have an interpretive dance to the Bee Gees tragedy discussed on this very podcast, (laughs) I believe last week or the week before. And, um, you know, I, I honor the very personal interpretive dance. I also honor the facts that you have cited, but if Robin was not making a dent on my awareness, then I can't really pass her through mm-hmm. after this. So that's where that is. And listen, Bless you both again, this is again, it's, it's the, in, we don't have to agree. And it's interesting though, because for me, I would say that dancing on my own, and I'm not even kidding, might be in my list of my 40 favorite songs of all time. Uh, But, you know, hey, there it is. I just, uh, anyway, I just love her music. Enough said. So I'm wondering, though, what the fate will be of our next song, of which I also have a clip. And that is Don't Know Much by Linda Ronstadt and Aaron Neville. But before we chat, let's listen to a bit of the opening of the song where Aaron Neville's feathery falsetto caresses our ears and perhaps our souls. 
Look at this face. I know the years are showing. Look at this life. I still don't know where it's going. I don't know much, but I know I love you. He's so good. Oh, he makes it seem so effortless and easy. I mean, it hung around for a while for me, but in the end, it didn't quite make the cut. And this is why I both love and hate this process. Um, I just couldn't quite justify it because it's with Linda Ronstadt, who certainly never went anywhere. Um, And also part of it, and this is like not logical, but like, I feel like he shouldn't have gone anywhere. (laughs) And therefore you're mad that he... It's like, I can't yeah, vote for you because, it's damn like, it. This shouldn't have been necessary, so beat it. Uh, I mean, no, not like that. But um, I am interested to see what everyone else did because I r- regretfully declined to <laughs> give it points. You're like, if I pass you through, it's almost like I'm saying it was okay that you needed to have a comeback. And that wasn't mm, okay. Therefore, it wasn't. <laughs> ergo... <laughs> Forthwith, mayhap, <laughs> tortious interference. Well, the patrons agreed with you and they gave it zero points. But uh, I clearly am the one today who will be the sole vote for every one of my songs because I did give this two points because the fact of his return is so cool to me. And it mm. was, he hadn't had a hit since the 60s. Suddenly in 89, he's got this massive Grammy winning song. He goes on to ride that wave to, like I said last time, everybody plays the fool, whatever. So uh, for me, it was an absolute yes, because also the, the the fact of his comeback story is very heartening. And part of my vote is always going to go on some level to the comebacks that I'm the most pleased by, because a comeback is so inspiring, you know? Um, yeah, it's true. But I guess only inspiring to me in this moment. Uh, I'm not, I'm kidding. I know that that doesn't necessarily mean you don't feel things for Aaron Neville patrons. Uh, But again, it's just me giving it two points and that's zero points from everyone else. But hey, that's all right. When I look at some of the songs that I gave points to that I hate and would Uh, uh, like throw masters of literally under an actual bus so that, you know, just to be like correct, in my rankings, I I mean, it does make me sad, but, you know, you have to try to do the right thing because, like we said, these rankings have the force of law. I know. We are casting into stone the, the future of all comeback-related history. Mm-hmm. Well, my guess, Sarah, is that we shan't be carving the name of Aretha Franklin's Freeway of Love, but I might be wrong, but I... With great respect to Ms. Franklin and with acknowledgement of what happened for her statistically on the charts with this song, did not pass this song through because at the end of the day, even though this song was a huge comeback for her in the 80s, I think at this point, when we think of Aretha Franklin and we list five of her songs, this song is never going to be mentioned in the first five songs. You know what I mean? I think that her legacy is still very much rooted in that early blast of success that she had in the 60s. So for me... I think round of 32 is appropriate, but no further, zero points for me. Yeah, I put it through. I wasn't happy about it because I don't like the song, but I think it's absolutely what we're talking about here, so I gave it two points. Well, basically today is going to be uh, an episode where everything only gets two points because the patrons did oh not put God. this through. <laughs> <laughs> Good for them. But this, But this is actually really interesting to me because... In the first four episodes, we were essentially in consensus a lot of the time. There were a lot of fours and sixes. And now mm-hmm. we're this is one, two, three, four, five songs so far that have a two out of the seven that we have discussed. I mean, yeah, is something going to get an eight somehow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that we haven't talked about yet? That'd be that'd be fun. <laughs> okay, <laughs> wow. It's going to be like, well, I guess they all go through. It's the round of 80,000. Congratulations, everyone. We make the rules. (laughs) Okay. I also do have a clip of Get Lucky. Uh, So before we 
talk about it. Let's jam to it for a second. All right, Sarah, I'm curious. Thoughts, feelings, points or no points? Pants or no this pants? This is a perfectly cromulent song um, that does a good job recapturing the sort of essence of the comeback kid in question. But the thing is, I feel like Nile Rodgers' main songbook had already had a comeback in the 90s when everybody was like bugging out to the funk and disco of the 70s and bringing it back at that time. Um, there's like a million people on this track. Like we talked about it in the Grammy season, right? And I'm sure the handing out of this award was one of those like best picture things where there's like 40 people on stage. Like there's just something about this, like, although it's a legitimate comeback and it's a song I enjoy the, it's like, there's too many, there's too many variables that cloud the algebra i don't know what i'm talking about here's the point i didn't pass it through (sighs) it wasn't close either well i hope you like the number two sarah (laughs) The the patrons did not pass this through either but to me the thing that you just articulated as a deficit i actually see as a credit because to me this song's enormous and I think quite surprising popularity in the mid 2010s was a comeback for Nile Rogers. It was a comeback for Daft Punk and it was a comeback for pure unadulterated disco. And to me, the sort of enormity of the comeback, the vast community of people who came back under this song's auspices (laughs) make it to me worthy of the sweet 16. I actually had already pre-decided that if this song made it through, I wouldn't pass it through again I didn't want it to go to the Elite Eight because this is where I would have had it stop. But uh, it may not matter. Although at this point, honestly, every every song is getting the same score, so who knows. Um, again, that was that was my reasoning, and it was uh, two points from me. Now, Jesus. statistically speaking, I think we've got to start agreeing with each other on some songs soon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, uh, yeah, it has to happen. I'm going to hold out hope that we do agree about Tracy Chapman's comeback with Give Me One Reason, which for me was an easy pass through to the next round. Because again, she did emerge from absolute near obscurity and one hit wonder status to have this massive song. And I think the fact that she wrote this song at the same time she was writing all the other songs from her debut album may suggest that she had all of her best ideas when she was 18. And, you know, God bless. I don't know that I've had any ideas as good as the ideas that she had at 18, but there you go. But even though she was not someone who was laden with hits, she spaced them out enough that she was able to have one, vanish, come back. And now, because Fast Car has become a hit yet again and has always been a hit, I think Tracy Chapman is someone who is just accepted as a genius and someone that we can respect. And I think that this song reestablishing her legacy is a big part of why we still think of her that way instead of thinking of her as the woman who had the one song about the Fast Car. So to me, definitely two points. And I will add, the patrons actually agreed with me this time. We agreed with each other. So it's a minimum of four points. Finally, something that doesn't get two. Sarah, what do you think? Um, I think it's not as big a comeback as some of the ah, I quit. <laughs> I'm going away. Find me later. <laughs> I mean, look, everything you've said is true. And I love the song. But difficult choices had to be made. And this got elbowed out of... The way of the, this was torn down so that the freeway of love could come through. So, yeah. Yes! This podcast has been wonderful. Now it's over. Goodbye. This is amazing! We don't talk about this in advance. Can you tell? Can no, you tell? this is how you could tell. <laughs> Holy shit. Ah, this, this is crazy. Okay, I love it though. You know what? This show is never boring to me. <laughs> I mean, 
<sighs> but here's the thing. Okay, but I will say this. For a song to make it to the last few rounds, that's going to really be an achievement because we're coming at this, you, me, and the patrons all seem to be coming at this from very different places. Yeah. So for the consensus pick to actually make it through is going to be, it'll tell you something about that song's a power at fulfilling the the tripartite I mean, brief. So right now we have one six. Uh huh. We have one six and two fours, and we've and we're at, we've discussed a nine twos songs and like pie, like <laughs> yeah. you know. And I think that, I think the crying game actually just got um, elbow. I don't even know how it got the elbow. <laughs> Knob. <laughs> like, okay. Dancing on my own got serious cloud. I don't know. Yeah. Why not? Okay, um, well, would you care to kick off the conversation about George Harrison's Got My Mind Set On You? I I mean, sure. Like, this also was an easy pass-through for me. I think he gets extra points for the video being something that people still talk about as groundbreaking. I think he gets extra points for being a fucking Beatle. Um, the number of times that he shows up in this season is weird yeah. given how he's in the very next relatively song relatively little we've talked about the beatles i mean sometimes in other contexts but in order to get the beatles in front of us like we did one album ranking and then it was like well that's that um yeah this was a no-brainer for me it was near the top of my list and i passed it through who's who's on the wrong side of history this time <laughs> well the patrons agree with you they gave it two points, but oh, no. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no! Because I just, here's the thing. This one was definitely hovering around. Oh my and, um, God. It was this in that episode. <laughs> I know it was in the Seven Eleven range for me. And then I just thought, you know, the Beatles, man, I kind of like talked myself into thinking, well, George Harrison kind of was always going to be mega famous no matter what. And I kind of knew it was a bullshit reason, but I was like, Hmm. But the Beatles, you know, you're always going to be famous. And so I basically put this song ninth. But I, it is it does have a four, which does make it stand out more than many other songs. And if this song does make it to the Sweet 16, of course, I won't be mad. I think it, there's a very strong <laughs> argument to be made for that. Oh, my God. Okay, now, did somehow Handle With Care by the Traveling Wilburys get 12 points? Because <laughs> I didn't give it any. I'll just say. When you have George Harrison next to the Traveling Wilburys, it's like, oh, right. No. Like, if you're going to choose one, you have to choose George Harrison. Or if you're me, choose neither. I gave it zero points as well. Um, It was my number nine. Somehow, it just kept floating back up. And then finally, I had to elbow it out of the way because I felt like if you're going to have this much Roy Orbison content <laughs> on this podcast, <laughs> it needs to be actual fucking Roy Orbison, even if he was singing basically from Beyond the Grave. So, like, I let respect for the Traveling Wilburys, but I said everything I had to say, and I don't need to handle this song at all in the future. But if the patrons gave it two points, I literally am quitting. No, the, for for once, this is the, this is the first time we're at song eleven and no points across the board. It's a goose egg for oh. people who care. Jesus. Okay, few. Now I do love that song, but I also have run out of things to say. Uh, we have not, yeah. however, run out of clips because here is a clip of "I Found Someone" by Cher. I passed this through, too. What can I say? It wasn't that close, either. Shrug. I just feel like it really was a huge comeback, and everyone was just sort of like, oh, my God, is that her entire butt? Like, I, I don't know. I God, Yeah. It's like a different... It's a different kind of comeback from Believe. And if Believe is the one that is the consensus pick, because people are like, this is too much. 
Sarkeesian or whatever her real last name was. Uh, this is too much Mrs. Allman for five minutes. Like, that's fine. I get it. But I, I don't know. I thought this was legit. It wasn't my number one in the section. That was her other song. But I passed it through. What did everybody else do? Well, I also passed it through. Because I think you're exactly <laughs> right. The enormity of Believe can obscure what was happening when she came back to making music in the 80s with this song. Mm-hmm. But let us not forget that when she made this song, she had not made an album in 10 years. This was mm-hmm. also before she was, it was the same year that she was in Moonstruck. So she didn't have an Oscar. Mm-hmm. She had an Oscar nomination for Silkwood, but she had kind of been existing in a in a place where she's a singer who does movies sometimes and yes mm-hmm. had an Oscar nomination for Silkwood had been in Mask which was a hit but she was in so kind good. of a she was kind of in a neither here nor there state and then I found someone happened in the year of Moonstruck which was also the year of the Witches of Eastwick mm-hmm. and suddenly it was like Cher and her tight firm ass are everywhere again And Mm -hmm. the fact that she did it twice doesn't diminish what happened when she did it the first time. Right. So we're in agreement. Now, the patrons didn't agree with us because, God forbid, we should. Oh, my fucking God. God forbid consensus should exist. My kingdom for a fucking six. Jesus. (laughs) But that's a four for share. I feel like that you and I are clearly writing for I found someone more than the patrons because I didn't put it through last time either. But patrons just I will just say this. Look into your soul and see if you don't find a little corner with this song playing on a loop and a child jumping for joy. This is Delilah. (laughs) Okay, well, um, I also did pull a clip. I mean, I thought I was pulling a clip of I Just Called to Say I Love You because we wouldn't hear it again. But the way this episode is going, who knows? Uh, But I did not pass through I Just Called to Say I Love You by Stevie Wonder because I just think he he never really went far enough away to truly come back in the way that some of these other artists did. Uh, That being said, let's listen to a little bit before we go further. Made up of these three words that I must say to you I just called to say I mean, I I didn't pass it through. I didn't do it because I felt like the song should be punished for um, giving certain parents an excuse to sing this on your college voicemail. <laughs> Not naming any names. Not naming any names. Rhymes with Farb. Um, love you, Mom. But yeah, this song, this song is beneath him. And I mean, I kind of think that about songs that I did pass through that I'm like, I don't like you. And yet here we all are together. But this one, I just couldn't, I couldn't justify it. And I don't think it had the, um, I don't think it had that sort of giant colossus um, bestriding the charts staying power that some of the other comebacks did that I was like, I don't like this song, but I have to acknowledge it's monstrous size were chosen advisedly so yeah no points from me and i hope that's the last time i have to hear it for a while yeah what did everyone else do please let this be a zero i had a similar feeling about this that i had about freeway of love which is when you think of stevie wonder songs now i might be wrong this song was very popular it's probably playing on an adult contemporary radio station right now somewhere in america But I Mm. would never, when I'm saying, what are the five Stevie Wonder songs that define Stevie Wonder? I would never include this song. No, uh, me neither. Also, again, I just don't really think it's a comeback. And the patrons agreed with us. This is a zero across the board. Oh, thank God. Phew. I know. There's a little bit of moment of sanity. Now, next, next we have Jim Steinman's composition as performed by Marvin Meatloaf a day. I do anything for love parens but i won't do that close parens um let's listen to a clip as long as the planets are turning as long as the 
All right, here's what I do for love of um, feeling like I behaved righteously in this situation. I passed this motherfucker through. Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy about it. I didn't enjoy listening to the clip. Um, I don't really enjoy talking shit about Meatloaf because he's just not for me. So it's not really talking shit. It's just not for me. Like this level of um, sweaty <laughs> holleration is not, it's not operating on my wavelength. But this song was a fucking monster. And I, I had to do the right thing by it this time. Well, we finally have a second straight six in this episode. Oh, no. Because <laughs> I was really hoping it was just me. Because here's the thing. I obviously have a greater tolerance for and love of bombast than you. I think we've, we, can, we can say that definitively yes, I t- in the yes. eight years that we've been doing this almost. Um, but even for me, Jim Steinman's bombast here as performed by Meatloaf is just mm. something that I can tolerate, but never actively <laughs> right. enjoy. Right. Like there's I, um, Celine Dion's it's all coming back to me now. Another Jim Steinman joint. Yes. Every day, twice on Sunday, three times on groundhog day. Great. Bonnie Tyler's total eclipse of the heart. Another Jim Steinman joint. Yes. Play it to me at any moment. Even Air Supplies making love out of nothing at all. Fine. But this song, it's just so turgid, Sarah. Mm, Turgid. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. yet, when I think about the what we're talking about, like you said, this song was a monster. Meatloaf had not had a hit since the late 70s. He Meatloaf's ass was washed the fuck up. Okay. Meatloaf had not yet been in the movie Fight Club, so it was just like, who's this? And he had been in Rocky Horror, he had made Bad Out of Hell, but motherfucker, that had been in the 70s. And so in 1993, for Meatloaf to have a five-week number one hit, and for the album, Bad Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell, the, just such an exhausting name for an album, that it, that was a huge hit too because of the song. How can you deny it? You can't deny it, and neither could the patrons. Straight six... Ugh. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the life we have chosen. I'm yes. not happy about it, but it had to be done. Um, I think that you and I may both be slightly unhappy that I pulled a clip for Kokomo. But let's listen to it. I mean, I can't with this song any longer, but you also have to admire the construction. And it was an omnipresent song when it was popular to the point where I attended more than one high school dance that was a Kokomo theme. (laughs) Because, you know, like MC, what what was the DJ that every single school in the county used it was like mc crazy cat or something like that just one of these like balding but had a mullet dudes that played every single dance and he must have just been like do a kokomo theme because i have that one and you know the weddings love it like you you have to admire the build of it and how earwormy it was and how people who weren't even born yet can still nitpick the lyrics of the shit um the ubiquity matters the quality uh i mean i don't know and like look we all saw that video gazillion times like it is what it is and what it is in my view is um the essence of what we're talking about here so this was like my number three in this section and i passed it through i held my nose and ears but i passed it through well the patrons did too 
So that's four points because I don't think that this song is good enough to continue on in this round. And I don't mean good enough in terms of quality of songwriting. I just think that for me, when I look at a song like Believe or Dancing on My Own or even Give Me One Reason, songs that had like a really profound effect on the artist in question. To me, this song absolutely deserves to be here and is a fantastic example of the brief, but there are just a lot of songs on this list of songs that do that. So me not giving this any points is not like me saying, I don't think this is a great example of a comeback because it is a great example of a comeback. I just started having to add for myself additional criteria and this song didn't quite meet them, but it doesn't matter because the patrons and you both gave it points. So there it is. I think it's, makes all kinds of sense for this song to be passed through. Uh, and it looks like it will be based on the way that this has been going today. So that brings us to our final song, Living in America. And I'll just jump in here. I don't think that this song should go through either. I did not give it any points, primarily because this does not sound any different than any other James Brown song. And it is, mm. an, it, I don't also really like James Brown's music that much because I find it to be all just one long shriek with some horns i it's like it's like i can't there's nothing uh, his music is so formless and rudy tootly i don't know i can appreciate that songs like get up are good but i'm just like uh can you give me some structure please and all of the just like ah, get on the scene i'm in seven minutes of just ah, ah, go punch a woman in the face like no i can't do it so jesus That is why I had to say no. Now, if James Brown had somehow reinvented his sound for his contribution to the Rocky 435 soundtrack with this song, maybe. But for me, too much of the same. Now, the patrons disagreed with me. They did pass the song through and give it two points. Sarah, where standeth you? This is really weird and fucked up. Um it almost didn't, but then once the dust settled, it was my number eight in the section, so I did pass it through. I hear what you're saying. I think that this probably goes with um, on the Aretha pile and the Stevie Wonder pile for you in that this is, you know, this wouldn't be in the first five songs. Um, I think possibly Weird Al helped him out with the <laughs> living with a hernia li- living with the hernia <laughs> ow like <laughs> yeah okay mm-hmm. i mean i am way more into the like uninterrupted shriek with occasional horns shtees than you <laughs> um my parents for christmas one year got me the got me the um four disc box set uh and some of the earlier stuff that's a little more disciplined is instructive but i'm not going to try to talk you into james brown life's too short and he was not a great guy like it's it's fine i'm not sure how this ended up getting through for me when other things that seemed to fit the brief better didn't but for me this is like it was quintessentially 80s in some ways especially that it was on a soundtrack and i think a lot of people knew the song because of the video like the montage the movie montage video um and a lot of people were introduced really to james brown but i think sometimes a comeback um can be sort of a extra comebacky if it's sort of this um vanilla chocolate soft serve swirl of the original brand of the artist and something updated that doesn't always work out. Uh, but I think it does here for me. I am shocked that the patron that anyone voted for this, never mind that it got two points from them. So uh-huh. yeah. Okay. What is, well, what faces us in terms of well, the, the vast sea of twos? Hold on to your butts because it's an, we have, Two songs that have six points and six songs with four points. We don't have to do anything. Really? Yeah, that's crazy how it worked out. So, wow. All right. Seven of the patrons' choices made it through. Six of your choices made it through. And five of my choices made it through. Okay. That's not bad. So, what is, uh, 
What is next? Uh, who who is moving on? So here's here's who has made it through this twosy two of a round. Um, moving on to the Sweet Sixteen will be Believe by Cher, one of our two absolute consensus picks. Can't get you out of my head by Kylie Minogue. Give me one reason by Tracy Chapman. Got my mind set on you by George Harrison. I found someone also by Cher. I'd do anything for love by Meatloaf. Kokomo by the Beach Boys and Living in America by James Brown. That is crazy that I'm the only one who voted for Freeway of Love. <laughs> well, I also feel like it is crazy that I'm the only one who voted for the Robin song. And uh, I actually have booked some uh, time at the Learning Annex. I will be giving a seven-week lecture series on why that song should have been uh, passed forward. So I invite you all. Each lecture will be two hours long. So I invite you all to 14 hours of that. (laughs) Do we get to learn the dance? Or is that only if we get through the whole... Here's the thing. I'm going to open the entire series with a performance. And then we're going to spend the next several classes dissecting it. And then we're going to learn it together. And then at the end, we're all going to do it acceptable <laughs> and only eight dollars honestly i'm only charging eight bucks so it's fine <laughs> well this was so interesting because in the midst of doing this episode i would have thought we would have been like oh god we have to select all of these songs out of this pool but instead it worked out like this so statistics you never know yeah i mean but it it is fascinating that usually we have many more consensus on uh, at each poll and then it's a little squishy in the middle. Yeah. But like the, <laughs> there was a whole lot of number two in this. Round. Well, but also, you know so, how yeah. unusual that out of, there were 16 songs in this round and 14 of them got at least one vote. Hmm. That is really unusual for us. I mean, we've been doing this for a long time. I think we can say with confidence that almost never happens that 14 yeah. out of 16 would get at least one vote. Yeah, that is bizarre. So I just called well, to say I'm not going to handle you with care. I'm going to handle you with something even more powerful. What? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't know much, but I know that I love this podcast and all the crazy things that it keeps doing to surprise me each week. So um, thank you, Patreon supporters, and also other listeners who you can still vote on stuff in the season. Yeah. So if you join us on patreon.com slash mastass, um, get into the conversation. We'd love it. And uh, please believe that we can't get you out of our heads because you give us more than one reason to get our minds set on you. Well, it's not for me to say I can't see what you see in him anyway But such righteousness in me Is not a nice thing to display Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Sarah D. Bunting and Mark Blankenship. That's me. And edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. This podcast is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com. And if you want to talk about songs, suggest a season theme, get a pop chart reading or customized playlist, or have a cocktail with us and your fellow listeners, then come on by our Patreon page at patreon.com slash where you'll find polls, happy hours, and tons of extra episodes and content. We're also at Mastass Everywhere on Instagram and Mastass.podcast on Facebook. Or just email us, talkaboutsongs at gmail.com. All that contact info will be in our show notes. Scroll down. Hope we'll be talking about songs with you soon. Thanks for listening. All my thoughts pushed underground Maybe you're happy Everyone says you are Drive around onto the stone You leave your life for joy And God knows you deserve it Bad luck follows everyone So go home and stop listening to me
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.